0: about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership, insight, and advice. Welcome to She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and this is Season 6, Episode 4, entitled, Stretch Yourself, with Nadej Florimond. Be sure to go to NicoleWalker.net forward slash blog to check out Nadej's bio and learn more about her and her business.
1: So, Nadej, welcome to She Leads Podcast Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. We appreciate you joining today and we're excited to hear about you and your journey. Thank you so much,
2: Nicole, for having me.
1: You're welcome. All right, so let's get started by you telling us about your background and what you currently do.
2: Well, hello to your lovely audience. The name is Nadej Florimond and I a 17 17 year plus entrepreneur. I started off with a catering company. My junior year while at Columbia University, I started my catering company, which was completely accidental, of course. And then over the years I've catered from like for corporate to social events. I've catered at the White House, catered for Dr. Oz, all from a hobby that just kind of like little by little just developed. And now I currently run an entrepreneurship coaching practice uh, called Roar Consulting. That's R-O-A-R, which stands for Reach, Organize, Act, and Realize. And I help passionate entrepreneurs kind of like realize they can basically turn their passion-based businesses into something that's profitable and also fulfilling.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, wow. So that is a perfect leeway into the next (laughs) question, right? So how did you go from catering to this consulting business? Like, how did that shift actually happen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been, I wouldn't even say it's a shift, uh, because catering is still here. It's definitely something that is still one of my major businesses. I think having started my uh, entrepreneurship journey at such an early age, I was that initial person that people knew as someone who was doing something that they loved doing, that they were good at doing, and that was making money doing it, right? So I had a lot of friends after we graduated college, they were like, well, you know, they went and got their corporate jobs, but they're like, but I also love travel. How do I turn my travel business into something that I can make money so I could leave my job? Or oh, I love knitting. How do I do that? So I was that person that people always reached out to for advice and and, and consultation in terms of how they were going to make their own shifts or sometimes not even a shift. But even if it was a side hustle, how do they turn it from hobby to something that can be an addition to their income? So having had the experience early on, I always say, you know, I had those initial 10,000 steps earlier than a lot of my uh, peers. So I was always the person that they reached out to. And then a lot of people in my circle was like, you need to start charging people, cause you, you know, cause I'd be with friends in my car, I'd be with friends at dinner, and I'd get a call, and I was always advising someone or consulting someone on something, and it was from my peers that I was like, I got the idea, like you gotta start charging for this, and really start packaging it, just like I was saying, you know, to them that they can turn their passion-based bu- business into a profit, then I was like, oh, I could use the second passion of mine, which is helping people develop, helping people grow into something that I can add an additional stream of income.
1: Okay, nice. I love that. And it that just makes sense, right? If if you're the yeah. person, right? Why not?
2: <laughs> yes. And then like you said, having done it with food, because again, uh, having been uh, brought up in an immigrant household, I never thought that I would be catering for a living because i'm originally from haiti and you know where it's basically you're either a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer and everything else you're a failure mm. <laughs> so i never thought of cooking as an actual living so when i was when i was getting paid tens of thousands of dollars to cater events it was not something that i even respected early on myself because I didn't see it as a formal, uh, way of earning a living. So, uh, it just made sense that having had that experience that I was able to help a lot of my coaching clients, one, not just, uh, understand the structural side and the business development side of growing or developing that hobby into a business, but also some of the emotional and psychological, uh, coming to terms mm. with exactly what they wanted to do with their lives in terms of, as it relates to these things that they necessarily didn't see as businesses.
1: Okay. I love it. I love it. So you talked about what was the go-to career when you grew up as mm-hmm. far as a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. So that leads mm-hmm. right into my next question. Uh, <laughs> so what did you want to be when you grew up? Was that one of, was that what you wanted to be?
2: Yeah, I actually wanted to be a lawyer. When I was younger, of course, it was always like, I want to be a doctor. Like I went to, I live in New York. Uh, I went to a very technical science heavy school. So I was that person who flourished in both um, the sciences as well as the arts. Mm. So for a long time, I thought I was going to be a doctor. But as soon as I got to college, I was like, oh my God, I definitely want to be a lawyer. So because I love talking and I was always very analytical, always presented that annoying other side of situations, which my friends hated, <laughs> you know, they called me to complain about a boyfriend, and I was like, but you were wrong. <laughs> and they're like, this are supposed to be on my side. <laughs> So I was always presenting another viewpoint. So law just seemed to make perfect sense. I studied political science, which I loved because I love history. I loved uh, politics at the time, not anymore. (laughs) So law just seemed logical. So when I first graduated, even though I started my catering company my junior year, For years, I still thought like it was a side hustle because I still thought I was going to end up going to law school. Mm. So, when I first graduated in 2003, I did work for an elected official, Congresswoman Yvette Clark. She's in the Congress now, but she was in the city council Mm. at the time. And then, but I was like, okay, this is, you know, I'll just cater on the weekends while I build up my resume and then eventually go to law school. A year later, 2004 I left my job to cater full-time because I was like oh I'm young before you know I get really like bogged down let me try just try it full-time and I've been a full-time entrepreneur ever since Wow. Um, but it was always with the intention that I would end up going to law school which is I think I finally realized a few years ago, I don't think it's going to happen. (laughs) But, and then I would, I meet a lot of lawyers and then I was like, well, I don't really want to practice law. I think I would just enjoy law school, the analytical aspect of it. They're like, don't waste your time then if you're not trying to earn a living as a lawyer. So they're like, stop. Just do what you're
1: doing. I like that, though, because even listening to you, right, like you talked about how you do a lot of advising with your consultation. So even though you didn't become a lawyer, you know, in a sense, you're still advising people and assisting them with, you know, what they need. So, you know, I I love how it all merges, right? (laughs) Yeah, like how it all kind of weaves itself together. For sure. Okay, so can you tell us about your upbringing as a child? Like, um how life was for you growing up in your situation?
2: Sure. I I grew up in a single parent household. I grew up with a single dad, actually. Oh, wow. So, and I mentioned I'm from Haiti. So an immigrant dad has a dad. So very strict household. Uh, Education was very much impressed upon. So for me, like, it wasn't an option. Like, you know, I've heard like young people say, oh, I didn't know if I was going to go to college or not. Like, it wasn't an option. Like, that's what we're, I was brought here to go to college. So, but it was very strict. And, but at the same time, I always tell people because I'm writing a book and I was like, lessons from my father. Because for me, growing up with a man, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yeah. Because yes, he's strict. Yes, he's overprotective. My dad drove me to and from school till like, I graduated high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is still till this day why I don't like public transportation. I'm always in a car. I'm always driving because, you know, I was spoiled in that way. But it was just so he could keep an eye on me. (laughs) The curse part at the time, because I was like, oh my God, I don't have any time to myself. But the blessing part is that I think for uh, a woman, this is my experience. I think there's a sense of confidence that you have mm. being brought up by a man, because men, you know, they. It's also oftentimes we talk about like white privilege. I think there's also male privilege, you know, that yes. exists in this world. But I think as a woman who was brought up by a, a, a man, I cut. I got to experience that. Like mm. he, he groomed me as a person, right? Not so much as a woman. Mm. It was more like as a person. So he was like very big on me, you know, in terms of confidence, in terms of understanding my authority in the world, in terms of I remember as a kid, I would see a police officer and I'd get scared and he's like, What's wrong with you? They work for you, you know, like what's your problem? You know, like he was very much like on your space, on your 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 territory. And I think, you know, that is part of, I mean, I'm sure a woman could raise you the same way, but it was more like, I felt like men are more likely to push you toward that direction of like, yo, you are in charge, you are in control. And I think all of that helped me later on. So uh, of course he had a difficult time with me going away to college because it was just the two of us were so long. Mm. So eventually it was kind of like college, kind of like, shifted the dynamics a little bit where he felt like he was losing control but at the end of the day it was like I feel still feel like it was a blessing mm. kind of like being raised by a single dad
1: I love that and it's funny because um this season well I just started asking some of these questions but you're one of a few women that had was raised by their dads and really senses that you know the same thing it's like you know less emotional more logical more confidence you know so i love that and i love that you all share the strengths of the situation right it's it's not mm-hmm. like a woe is me you know it's like this is what i gained you know from no, this dynamic that's not
2: usually what occurs right so i love that mm-hmm. no 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 i i definitely think like i said i'm very grateful very practical you know, analytical man, very, you know, much about, like, seeing, you know, situations for what they are. And I think, like I said, that has helped me in a lot of spaces, both in terms of work, both in terms of dealing with uh, personal relationships as well. That's awesome. Okay.
1: So tell us about a pivotal point in your life and how it shaped who you are today.
2: Pivotal, I would say definitely uh, 2008 recession. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because as someone who started off as an entrepreneur, like I said, I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I was on a college campus. I just so happened to be great at cooking because my dad is a phenomenal cook. I don't think he ever thought like he would teach me how to cook for me to do it as a living, but I picked it up from him and then. Food was a way for me to connect with friends, create connections on campus, educate people about like my own culture, how I grew up, and then it turned into a business. So when I decided to actually do it and saw that it was doing well, I really, it became what I did. So when the recession hit in 2008, it was like, oh my God, am I going to have to get a job? What am I going to do? Because- for, since I started my business in 2002, it was just on an upswing. Mm. And I was mainly doing corporate events. So when it became kind of like, oh, we don't need to cater a company picnic this year. Forget the holiday party. Actually, just bring some, you know, wine and cheese. Actually, forget the wine. We'll just take the cheese. You know what? Just stay home. <laughs> So those were like the, you know, emails. So when they started dwindling, it was like, what am I going to do? But what that situation ended up doing was actually expanding my business. Oh, wow. Because it really forced me to start seeing what other ways. How can, food for me was always about connection and community and people. So instead of just being a caterer, I kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? So I became, I started doing events. I started creating, doing my own events. I was like, well, you know, guys don't want me to cater. I'll do my own events for people to attend. So that added another dimension to my business because till this day, over 10 years later, people still look forward to it. whether i'm doing a brunch i do brunches i do empowerment brunches i do galas i could do a gala for 250 people and have 300 people for 250 dollars and have 300 people in attendance i can do a brunch for 25 40 dollars and have 200 people there so it helped me create and i guess i would say it stretched me in mm-hmm. terms of understanding what is it that I wanted to offer in the world. It wasn't just like I wanted to cook. I wanted to build community. So that was one way I did it. It helped me write a book because I was like, oh, food again. Instead of just like cooking, I can write a book. And So I decided to write a book called Haiti Uncovered. I traveled throughout Haiti uh, and and wrote a coffee table cookbook uh, about the regional cuisine, about the history, about the culture, and Years later, this book is still selling. Uh, it forced me to create a culinary tour around that. So because while traveling, people like, well, take us to Haiti. Haitians, non-Haitians, they wanted to experience that cultural immersion on the soil of that country. And then now I've planned culinary tours in different countries. Wow. So all of that, I say, happened because of that, you know, down situation in the market and me being so fearful that I would have to get a job and not wanting to get a job. (laughs) So it really forced me to kind of like, okay, stretch yourself, push yourself. What else can you do? What makes you special? How can you make the service that you offer something unique? And what other value can you build around it instead of just what everybody else was doing?
1: I love that. Right. That's, and that's so timely, you know, with what's going on in our world right now where, what? yes, where, you know, change can either make you grow or, you know, you can either sink or swim, you know, because nothing in world is guaranteed, right?
2: Not guaranteed at all.
1: <laughs> right? You got to find ways to reinvent yourself. You got to find ways to continue to uh, recycle, repurpose, what have you, you know, so that you yes, can continue yes. to flourish, you know, or you'll just disappear, right? So kudos to you. Yeah, I love
2: exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Thank you. So
1: tell us about what you're currently doing to improve yourself personally and or professionally.
2: Oh, I mean, for me, improvement is a daily thing. Yeah. <laughs> daily. Um, uh, And that happens. I have a friend who's in Detroit. She's one of my closest friends. And she's always like, Nadej, are you going back to school? Or are you going to get a master's? I was like, I have adult ADD, (laughs) self-diagnosis, not like officially diagnosed. I don't see myself sitting in a formal classroom, you know? I'll be very honest on that. But I think I am such a self-learner. I am big on books. I am big on YouTube University, as I call it. I am big on conferences. I am constantly attending something or reading a book. I just finished, uh, I'm currently reading Simon Sinek's Infinite Leadership, I think it is. Yeah, but it's the latest book. And because I have Audible and I'm always in my car. So I'm constantly listening to some kind of audio book, attending a conference. or I And I start my mornings with some kind of motivation, some kind of Gary V, some kind of, you know, empowerment, something that is going to teach me something I didn't necessarily grow. Because one of the things, that, uh, even with my coaching, and I tell my clients all the time, You can't come into a space thinking you know everything and if once you start operating from that space then you've already lost, I feel. So no matter how great we are, there's still always something to learn from someone else and from others' experiences. And a friend of mine always says leadership is only is, is going to be as limited as the as the leader, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the more you can feed yourself, the more you can feed your mind, you can feed your heart, you can feed your soul, the more you're able to pour into other people, you're able to offer in your personal life as well as your business life. That is the only way you're going to help others grow If you is if you are continuously working on yourself. And I do that daily.
1: Yes. Yes, thank you for that. I love that. And I totally agree with you. Learning is a lifelong journey. I feel like the moment you stop learning is the moment you die. You know, a lot of people yes. walking around dead, you know, the walk that is true. Is that they choose to stop growing and stop learning. So I love the resources. Like you said, it doesn't have to be traditional, it can be books, it can be conferences. YouTube, I agree, is one of the yes. best resources out there. You can get a
2: video, right? I mean, you know, yes. you need somebody doing it like, Yeah, no, people really put some great energy and time into creating some phenomenal content. Like, look at your amazing podcast, right? Like, this is all resources. Back in the day, like, people, you know, we didn't have access to all this information, right? People had to go to school, and then, again, your information was only as limited as that professor you had Mm. with their thought pattern. Now you have access to so many different things and so many different people, and you can... Choose and see what aligns with you, what aligns with where you're trying to go, what aligns with your style, yes. what aligns with the direction you're looking to to grow in. And then you can pick and choose or take it all in. Yes. <laughs> take a little bit of each. Yes. I- it's like a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A buffet of You know, I'm a chef. Right? So it always
1: goes back to food, right? <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. Buffet of knowledge. Take advantage. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Awesome. So tell us about the toughest struggle you had to overcome and how you overcame.
2: Ooh, toughest struggle. Hmm. Can we get back to that? <laughs> because you know what? I'm such a person. I always tell people, my friends used to think like, you know, because I'd have a friend, like I remember I burned my finger once and then my friend was like, oh my God, this is so horrible because I was crying. I was making true churros and then I burned my finger. And then she was like, and I was crying. and She was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but, you know, you know where I'm happy? I was like, you're happy that I burned my finger? She's like, no, but I've known you for like 15 years and this is the first time I've seen you cry. <laughs> And I was like, I wanted to smack her. <laughs> but I think for <laughs> but I think for a lot of people though is because I have what I call bounceability, right? Uh-huh. And bounceability in the sense that I it's like I don't stay down too long, you know? And I think it's one of those entrepreneurial traits. It doesn't mean we don't feel, it doesn't mean you don't cry, it doesn't mean you don't yell, it doesn't mean you don't get down, but I think we're big on just like, that can't last too long because yeah. you've got a mission, right? You're so mission focused. And I always say with entrepreneurs, it's not a matter of an if, it's a matter of a how. Mm. It's a how. So when I have obstacles, I don't even think of, I guess I don't dwell on them too long to really feel like, oh my God, like my, you know, too much because it's always kind of like, oh my God, okay, I need a solution. You know, so it becomes like, how do I get around it? Because it becomes like, It has to happen because it's not a question. It's just a matter of, okay, so I thought it was going to be this road, but I guess it's not because it's blocked. You know, there's a monster on the road. There's (laughs) trucks. There's everything happening. Obviously, it's not going to be this one, but I still need to get to that other side. So it becomes quickly trying to figure out, like, what is another alternative? So I guess that's why that question is a little bit difficult for me to pinpoint one particular thing because I think, obstacles are daily I think Mm -hmm. obstacles are constant right so it's a matter of kind of like we're always jumping over those hurdles and I think for entrepreneurs sometimes you don't even realize it because it's just like it's kind of like a sport (laughs) I love that no and you know what
1: I I love that answer because that's the truth right and in all honesty like you said it's a daily journey right so we shouldn't put too much energy or too much focus on that so and it is showing that you actually live what you're saying right because you can't think of anything off the top of your head because it doesn't get that much energy, you know? And and, and it's it's all about the energy that we give things and how we look at things. And like you said, solution-oriented, you're speaking my language, right? Because problems present themselves every day, every moment, you know, every hour in certain circumstances. But if we focus on the solution, you know, or the solutions, because it's usually more than one, if we take the time no to you know, we'll be a lot further, we'll be a lot more happy, we'll have a lot less gray
2: hair, you know. So <laughs> everything, better skin, everything's gonna you know, work out. Because that. you know, you have to believe it's going to work out. So now it's just a matter of figuring out the how, the who, whether the resources, what's really available. Because I am big on that. Like I'm big on figuring out, like focusing on like what what's working. I know this ain't working, but what's working? A lot of times, like one another, one of my favorite quotes is like, you know, you don't. There's certain people. It's kind of like they have a problem for every solution. (laughs) Like you know, there's like, you know, you don't want to associate with those people because it's always kind of like, yeah, you know, the sun is in my eyes. So you're like, oh, here are some sunglasses. But they're like, yeah, but I can't see too well when I have the sunglasses. So it's like, you know what? (laughs) I'll be back. Bye. <laughs> bye. Like, bye. <laughs> All right. look, you. Bye. Person who's like, Okay. How do I make it better? What's the solution? What can we do? That's not it. Does this make it a little better? Okay. Duh. So let's keep working to make it a little bit better than it was yesterday. A little bit better than it was the day before. As long as we're heading in the right direction. I don't dwell on the negative too long. Yes.
1: I love it. Okay. So tell us about an aha moment you've had lately and how you've changed as a result?
2: Ooh, I think, you know, um, last year, one of the things for me, I was like, you know, because as an overachiever, you know, it's kind of like a gift and a curse and stuff. So I said, I think one of, an I had a moment, I was sitting and I said to myself, you know, it's not about you. And I know it's a simple phrase and I know, people sometimes say that and think like just in the conceit sense of the word, the phrase. But I think for me, when I said that to myself and I was looking at relationships with friends, family and everything like that and work too, but I said, it's one of the most humbling, but also one of the most liberating uh, realizations, I guess that I kind of like, as I was sitting just alone, just really thinking, it's humbling and liberating because it's humbling in the sense you're like, wow, I am really not the end all and be all, mm-hmm. right? Of whatever situation. So you, you realize you are apart. Yes. You know, so th- that humbles you. But it's also liberating in the sense that it frees you because sometimes that in itself can hold you because you are so chained by like this weight that maybe perhaps it's a parent perhaps it's a child perhaps it's a friend that you feel so responsible for so that statement thinking it's about you can actually hold you back and hold you hostage or hold you in guilt hold you in some kind of prison up here so by realizing it's not about you, that there are external factors and you have no control over anyone else. <laughs> that in itself can free you mm. for you to be a little bit more free within yourself to be able to be at peace with those things you really don't have control over. So I was just like, wow. So it's not just like, because I think I always took it in the conceit sort of the way, kind of like, oh, okay. It's not about you like, oh, but it's also kind of like, it's a way of freeing yourself as well.
1: Yes, I love that, I love that. And for those listening, when you said up here, you were talking about the uh, prison that we have or put ourselves in, in our minds, right? So ourselves from that, I love that. I used to, I'm recovering, I'm a recoverer from that, you know, thinking that (laughs) everything revolves around me You know, and then the bubble had to be burst, you know, to realize I'm a small fry in a big pan, you know, and it's okay, right? And it's it's okay.
2: okay. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're not valuable. It doesn't mean you're not significant. It doesn't mean you're not important. It just means that you still, you're a part. You're an important and integral part, but you are a part. Yes,
1: exactly. I love that. Okay. So can you share a resource, a recommended resource with us that you use and tell us how you utilize it? It could be for business, for personal growth, for self-care. Oh,
2: wow. I have a lot, but like I said, what changed my life was Audible. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because I love books. I love reading. I've always been a reader. I consumed and devoured books as a child because again that overprotective dad of mine I couldn't go outside and play so I was reading Maya Angelou's uh autobiographies when I was 10 you yeah. know uh you know um I was really like B.B. Moore Campbell like I always read books both fiction and then as I got older I really got into nonfiction books like Malcolm Gladwell his uh development books Jack Canfield, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, Tim Ferris, like I read them all but the last couple of years I realized oh my god I'm, I'm not reading going back to that ADD self-diagnosis I couldn't you know like I was always doing something I became more like that person that needed to be always active actually doing things so I was like oh my god but I also felt like my brain was turning to mush because mm-hmm. I loved information so I was just like I need to read more and then last year when I got Audible I was like you know what because I love books I love the feeling of it I love turning the pages I love like you know putting the little bit on the page so I remember where I am I never had like a book holder (laughs) like the page holder I always like kind of put my little crease so I love that so I was like no I can't do this whole like Audible thing Uh, audio books thing finally i got it girl because michelle obama's book came out i bought it and i never read it Mm -hmm. and i was like you know what i'm getting audible changed my life i was Mm -hmm. like oh i'm reading two three books a month now so i love that so because i still feel like i'm able to keep up with what i love which is information uh these new writers as they have new books out i can like stay up to date because i really am a believer that every time you pick up a book, like you pick even if you pick up one thing from it, it could change the way you do business, the way you do things, the way you think of yourself, the way you think of the world, the contributions you make to the world, how you treat people. Cause again, like I told you, I believe in learning. I'm 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 a vessel, I'm wide, I'm available, you know, to take to it. So I'm always Picking things up, so whether it's one little line or a sentence, when I read something, even if it's one thing, I'll apply it, and I'm gonna an apply. I'm a doer, so if I read something I'm like, "Oh, this is good," if it's good, if it's a good thing, like Martha Stewart says, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, that getting that those that information was important to me. So I was glad that I caved in, got portable, and I'm able to
1: keep up with my books okay thanks for that i love that and it goes back to adaptability you know being able to change and work within yourself right because sometimes life changes and we have to learn how we can continue to show up the way we want to and grow the way we want to right Right. and i Mm -hmm. love um what you said because that's something that i also say we think we have to make all of these grandiose changes overnight, you know. But like you said, one thing. Like, let's keep it simple, right? Because if you try to give yourself fifty things to do, you'll get burnt out and
2: not do any. I I'm a recovering person from that, because <laughs> I was that person. I need to. If I need to lose ten pounds, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna do yoga. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's like I'm going to do everything at the same time. Now I'm like one change. What? What can I do? Yeah. one change and you can do that. Uh, and it's the same thing with businesses because I'm like a serial entrepreneur. Like I love ideas. I have different things. But I always tell people, even in growing a business, you can do everything, but at one at a time. Yeah. Grow it, build it, develop it, make it strong, get it working. Then you could move on. Because I work with a lot of multi-passionate entrepreneurs, as I call them. When you're creative and when you are talented, you may be talented in many areas. Yes, you may be great at photography, painting, dancing, singing, you know, being a mechanic, all at once, but you have to give something its due attention. I'm able to coach because I took the time to build my catering business and build that to a level where it had enough of a presence. So when I'm telling you something, you know that I've lived it, mm. you've seen it, you've seen it at work. So it's easier to move to the same to the next thing It's the same thing with Mark Cuban he's able to do all the things he's done because for a time he's giving something that attention, and then once you've done that two, three, four times, yeah. then it becomes easier then maybe you could do two at the same time because you've built the team you're not the one who's doing everything yourself, but you do definitely have to give that. Actually, you know, time and attention, that TLC to that initial idea, to that original idea, get it to where you want it to, to, to be. So before you tackle the next one, then you can do them simultaneously.
1: Yes. Okay. Look, you were speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to speak to anyone else, you were talking to me. She's like, oh, and girl, why you
2: just say you talking to me.
1: <laughs> I love it. Okay. So what advice would you have for an up and coming entrepreneur? And in addition, let's go one more. In addition to picking your one thing and giving it your all, what other advice would you have for an up and coming entrepreneur?
2: Um, I would say just focus on doing great work. I think focus on doing great work. I think, you know, I see social media now. You have a lot of people. The focus becomes on let me grow my following, right? Mm. Or let me do this. Let me get clients. Yes, that's important. But I think if you focus on the craft itself, the other things will fall into place. Mm. Because it's hard not to notice excellence. It's hard to ignore excellence. You just can't. It's just like, you know, Like we live in a time where people are like, oh, people hating or whatever. But no matter how much somebody's hating, they reach a point where they can't ignore you if it's great work. Because they need it, right? They need it. If you're the best at what you're doing, it doesn't matter if I like you or not. To the extent that you're going to improve my bottom line or increase my bottom line, I have no choice. So I think if we focus on the work itself and making it as great as possible, then the other things will fall into place. So instead of focusing on curating just a great social media feed, focus on what is it you do. If you're a chef, if you're a fashion designer, if you're a speaker, focus on those things. Focus on practicing. Focus, join Toastmasters, you know? Learn your craft. Learn your craft to the best of your ability. Because just in learning it and developing in it, the clients will come. The followers will come. Because people see that. People love journeys. People lo- So don't even think you're also... like I guess the other advice that goes with that is you don't even need to be perfect to start. The real magic is in the journey mm-hmm. itself. I have the clients that I have now, a lot of them, and I've been able to take them to different things that I've been able to do because they've, they've, they were there from the beginning. They've seen me grow and develop. And there's nothing that inspires people more than them seeing through you all the things they see for themselves. It may not be the exact same business, the exact same craft, but just seeing you evolve in, inspires someone else yeah. to be able to step into their own truth. So don't wait. I guess I'm giving a lot of little tidbits of advice, <laughs> but also to don't wait for that perfect moment because sometimes we we use, like, oh, I'm a perfectionist, but we're really just fearful. We're really just scared because we are worried about what people will think because we are worried that it's not packaged properly. But you will never know until you start. And it is in the doing that you are going to know that, oh, this really doesn't work like that. These pants feel awkward when you walk in them. So (laughs) if you never put them on, you just keep trying to design the pants, but you never put them someone. You won't know that when you bend down, it, it rips. You know, so you have to do. I'm a big believer that you have to start the journey. I'm not saying start unprepared, but don't spend all your time preparing. Mm. Start. And then as you start, you can tweak. You could, but you'll only get better by starting. Yeah. The longer you wait to start, the the it's all the time you're not learning about what you could be working on.
1: Yeah awesome great advice and i do agree uh it is a it's a myth you know first perfection doesn't exist you know and we stagnate ourselves thinking that we can even achieve it you know and then like you said you don't you it's something about doing that gets you to learning better so just get out there and do it but just get in excellence right but don't paralyze yourself trying to be perfect because you'll stay
2: right where you are. No, no. When I say show up in excellence, I always tell people that if it doesn't feel good here and here, like, you know, within your heart, you know when you're doing something. If if you're like, you know what? Um, The stitching is not right. Don't put it out. It may cost you a little extra to do it again, but don't put it out. Like, to the extent you're not happy with it, it's one thing you're happy with it and then it goes out there and then you realize it needs tweaking. But to the extent that you know within yourself like it you could use some work, hold off. Lose out on it. Hmm. L- lose. Yeah. Keep working on it. That's what I mean when I say show up in excellence. Is that but don't 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 say, Oh, I'm waiting just because just like as a stalling mechanism.
1: Yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. So I like to ask some fun questions, right? This is what I call oh, the fun questions. Fun fun. Oh, I'm worried. <laughs> I am an avid believer in the importance of travel and how it shapes us as human beings, right? Yes. And and I love just hearing about places and what people do. I like to va- vicariously live through others, right? So yes, yes. Tell us about where your last vacation was, what your favorite vacation is, and where your next vacation will be.
2: Ooh, my next vacation is to Colombia, Cartagena, in June. My favorite will always be Haiti. I think everybody should go—the first black republic in the world. Every black person should visit um, the first country to have a successful slave rebellion. Mm. And I have a lot of other. What's the third one? That's my the favorite last vacation. My... The last place you went. My... Where was the last place I went? I can't remember. When was it? I don't know. But last year, I know I did a couple of countries. I love Barcelona. I love it. The food is amazing. If you're a meat eater, you'll love it. If you're a seafood lover, you'll love it. I'm a pescatarian. I absolutely love uh, Barcelona, the spirit, the people. It was just a great vibe. Also love Morocco. I love travel as well. And that's why I do culinary tours, because I realize you experience a, a people, better on their own soil Mm -hmm. when you immerse yourself in a culture is the best way to learn about it and when you do that around food it's even better because food disarms people it connects people and it's just amazing because I'm greedy so I'm always looking for a reason to go eat somewhere (laughs) yes I love it I call it a foodie oh yes foodie it's not greedy I'm sorry
1: it's foodie foodie. I love it. I love it. Okay, I'm (laughs) going to put Barcelona on my list. I'm a pescatarian as well. Oh, you'll love it. All right. Thank you so much, Najez. We appreciate you. So tell us about any events or any offers or services that you want our listeners to know about and how they can contact you.
2: Uh, I'm in New York. Uh, like I said, my focus now is really I help entrepreneurs develop, like whether it's social media marketing, I coach, uh, I do Instagram consultations. And then also too, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in real estate as a means of building wealth, especially for women. Mm. So I do a lot of real estate investing, whether it's helping somebody buy their first home, or just like learn how to build if they already own a home or how they could use real estate really to to really change the landscape of their lives and their family and really create a legacy for themselves so I'm I I I, I do my best to educate so I have a brunch um uh, coming up at some point soon so they can definitely follow me on my social media page which is my name Nadej Fleurmont on all all platforms. And they can, you know, keep abreast of all the events because I really do events to really educate about whatever topic or issue that I feel can help someone, whether it's, you know, real estate. I've had brunches with Mona Scott Young. I've had brunches with Demetria Lucas, just different people that I feel have something important to share there that can help us broke in whatever areas of our life we may need a little bit of a nudge
1: (laughs) okay awesome awesome i'm excited to learn more well thank you again so much we appreciate you joining us on she leads podcast leadership empowerment for women of color and we enjoyed learning about your journey and just about you and your
2: positive mindset thank you so much nicole i appreciate the invitation you're
1: welcome. Thank you for tuning in
0: to another episode of She Leads Podcast. Leadership empowerment for women of color. Please be sure to go to our Facebook page at She Leads Podcast to like or follow us. Also, let us know if this episode inspired you by leaving a comment under the post for Season 6, Episode 4. Thanks! Until next time, be empowered and empower on.